so the process of learning is about everyone and also about everything around us and uh, when we learn something from everyone and everything around us i think the true learning happens and uh, when it comes to the young learner i think the responsibility of an adult increases in a way that there is a need of learning together where we share things and the process of learning becomes the best way uh, but when we come to the current context or the current scenario of indian education system largely we see that the parents are parents or the adults uh, think that it is the sole responsibility of the school which i think is not true and uh, and to understand this scenario we will be discussing the subject from a viewpoint of dr maria montessori and her pedagogy and uh, today i am really honored to have amukta mahapatra with us uh, we are doing this series on project nomad and we call it nomad podcast so i would like to welcome uh, amukta di as i call her um, and we will have a what to say informal chat on maria montessori the pedagogy about uh, amuktadi as well how she got introduced uh, to the education sector uh, how she grew her interest in children their learning process and so on so amudi uh, welcome to uh, the show or i don't know what to call this but we would like to call it uh, a deeper conversation series where we are bringing in individual stories of people and also organization working in the field of education in different ways thank you thank you for having me here so to start with uh um i would like to go back to your childhood days uh i would like to know the story of your childhood how you where you grew up uh about your family about your siblings and then slowly we can come to uh the time when you really got interested in education learning teaching how all how all of those things happened yeah long story but let me try to be brief about it i grew up in a joint family where we were maybe about 20 of us adults in an intergenerational kind of a household and uh, we were all very like convivial happy kind of a family and uh, there no anxieties or tensions around there my first 5 years actually i grew up with my grandparents in the village and uh, my sister was there for a few years but after that she went to school into the city my parents were living in chennai in madras as it was called at that time and i was alone in the village and i think that still stays with me because i was the only child and uh, at home and there was a huge house i mean our house was uh, quite large in the village and uh, there was nobody else to play with me or anything so i felt i was uh, it gave me a kind of a strength and a confidence and i would relate to people as equals i only my grandmother and grandfather were there and we had servants of course and in the city also it was a joint family that they were it's like a contrast here there was just uh, me alone 
and then when i went to the city we were one huge family so there were many children then in chennai in, in our household and i was one of the youngest but uh, my parents had many friends and their children used to come we used to play so very often my parents and their friends used to go out and their children sometimes my age or little younger than me they used to be with me and even if they were my older sisters were there they were not considered to be you know taking care of them somehow the children came to me and i also responded to them so one child specifically tinku he used to call me amu didi and they're from bengal calcutta and uh, the whole family used to call me amu didi his grandparents also oh <laughs> <laughs> because i was his didi yeah so i think uh, from we became friends and he used to follow me around and all that and they used to go to pondicherry so on the way they used to drop by in madras and through that also other children also i think i became fond of and my brother was a little younger but we were friends but i think through these uh, other children that i realized that i was i, was, I liked and I had an affinity for children mm-hmm. and being with younger people from there on i mean i was a student in school and i didn't have not very different from others i feel but uh, when i was in the like fifth form we used to call it in school that was uh, now the i think 10th so suddenly in class i felt i remember that day that i wanted to be a teacher Mm. I used to play tennis that one of those days I was on the tennis court I was thinking oh should I be a professional tennis player and then I said no I can't be very good in tennis I can't be the best like and then I wanted to be a secretary mm-hmm. <laughs> then uh, then in class the next day or two days later I felt I wanted to be a teacher and somehow the word montessori came to me I don't know I was 15 years old. So you have never heard Mo- the name of Montessori before? No. I don't oh. I don't remember where I heard it. Okay. I may have must have hmm, hmm, hmm. but I don't remember from where. There was a Beard College next door in our same compound in our school where teachers were trained. They used to come for practice teaching to our school. Hmm. And I didn't want to go there. So I wrote to Femina magazine. At that time it was a popular women's magazine. and sitting in class i wrote that letter and uh, saying where will i find a montessori teacher training hmm. so they wrote back i mean it was so nice of them in those days no emails nothing they wrote back maybe about a month later hmm. saying that uh, we don't have the they gave me the address of a college i think it was uh, sndt or sophias so then i wrote to that college and they wrote back saying we don't have this course please write to this address and that was a postal address mm-hmm. because at that time the montessori courses were going from one place to the other so there used to be like two years in hyderabad two years in uh, 
Bangalore, two years somewhere else, Calcutta. And this was in which year? This, uh, I wrote, this must be in uh, 69 or 60, 70, something like that. Okay. And this letter. Mm-hmm. So when I wrote to them, this postal address, uh, they said, uh, they asked me how old I was. I said, I'm 15. So they said, mm. you become 18 and then you come and contact us. And that was Mr. Houston who had written to me. And uh, so then I did some college and then I wrote back again. Because I was 15 and then another three years later or so. Then uh, I wrote to them, I want to join the course. So what, what was your interest or curiosity that made you write that later? or you wanted to explore montessori i i didn't know anything about montessori i don't know where i got that word so i feel that's one miracle of sorts or one mystery so i could have gone to that bet college no it yeah. was nice uh, people were nice about it it was regulated but i think something going away also i feel that i haven't said that before but now talking to you See, I'm the third child. So usually they say the ch- third child likes to go out of the family. Oh, okay. And find, you know, better pastures outside. Mm-hmm. So I think that also is something that possibility. would have been a possibility. But nothing about Montessori. I didn't know anything about it. So then when Mr. Houston wrote back saying, you come but i was uh, the course was starting in july and i was going to be 18 in august july august next month yeah yeah, yeah. 15 days i mean they were going to start the course in 15th july and i was going to be 15 days later i was going to be 18 18 mm. so they said you can't come july 15 when the course begins you have to come only on august 1st mm. so then Uh, I tried at that time my father found somebody one of his friends said I know somebody who's does Montessori and I published his book hmm. so you can meet him so I went and met him at that time so that's the time I got to know a little more about Montessori before I went for the course wonderful so that was your first introduction to Montessori so uh, what kind of a course it was It was quite a wonderful course. Um, for me, getting away from home was a big thing because leaving home, it was kind of a sheltered family, you know, at that time. We rarely went by bus and uh, met only people whom we, in our family and friends, etc. It was a wide circle, but still only kind of a protected, uh, closed fa- family friends. So when I went there, it was like an adventure for me. Hmm. And uh, and it was in Chennai? No, it was in Ahmedabad. Oh, so you shipped it to Ahmedabad for yeah. the course. Yeah. Wonderful. So we had to, Bistar Bandke, we had to go to yeah. Ahmedabad in a train. And uh, there we were given a place in the hostel. And that place also, location, the course was conducted in Shreya's foundation. that was connected to montessori also much earlier because they had uh, started even before montessori came to india 
they had started a Montessori school for their family. The Sarabai family in Ahmedabad had a Montessori school running and all their children did Montessori education. And the the daughter, one of the daughters had started the school, Lina Ben, had started the school, Shreyas. And they were following Montessori then. And and uh, wasn't there any particular uh, qualification to do that course in Montessori? They were saying just uh, pre-university or uh, school. That is enough. Yeah, that was enough. Okay. At that time. Okay. And when we went there, there were about 150-odd students from all over India and also from abroad. So there were about 30 from Malaysia, Singapore, and another 30 from US, Europe, all over. So it was like an international course. And because Mr. Houston was very popular and he was well known for his uh, the way he conducted the course, people came from all over, in, all over the world mm. to study with him. So the course was wonderful and it kind of uh, opened my eyes to what children can be, you know, it also reinforced what I had, you know, just inclination or intuition about children. So by then my parents had um, my youngest sister, who's about 13 years younger than me. So she was about five or something at that time. So from my theory classes and lessons, I my parents had already brought up five, four of us. And she was already five. But I used to write letters to them how to bring her up. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> so I don't know how they took that. But uh, I remember writing that nation scold uh, this, that. And the course itself was uh, enlightening for what it uh, taught us. I mean, directly. But also indirectly, you know, being with so many people, being away from home. all that. So that was your first being away from home before that you never went for such a long time yeah wonderful and that means your parents have this belief in you that uh, you are going to be a teacher you have that potential mm. wonderful yeah and then for how long this course went on for it was a year's course one year yeah. course okay and after that then while i was there itself uh we got uh, news that uh, the Krishnamurti school was starting in Madras at that time. So then, uh, as soon as we went back, I got, uh, we knew them, of course. My father was in the Krishnamurti center. And uh, they said, why don't you come and teach? But, uh, you know, this person whom I met through my father earlier, who helped me also to talk about Montessori, etc., he told me come and work as a volunteer in the village school, which he had started for not really village, but a small town in Tamil Nadu, Anamale. And uh, so when, uh, because he had helped me to understand Montessori a little bit, and I thought I should learn from, mas from a master like him, because he himself had trained under Dr. Montessori when she was in India and living in Kodekana. Hmm. So he had done the primary course and the advanced course, the elementary course with her. So I felt I had to learn, you know, a little more to learn from him. 
So I went to Anamale. Hmm. And I was a volunteer there, a teacher. And uh, that was a wonderful experience also. So I went there and uh, they, said, they said they'll give me a place to stay and all that. And uh, so I had imagined that, okay, I'll be cooking and all that. And took vessels. I didn't know anything about cooking. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> But I thought, okay, this is like a romantic thing, you know, going there, setting up house and all that. So... Uh, but I went there and they provided all the food, etc. So I used to get up, you know, and at seven o'clock I used to be in the school and uh, working, making materials. And uh, Vaitana, that was the person's name. He was also up and writing. He was in his 70s, I think, at that time. And uh, I, he taught me Tamil. Though I grew up in Madras, I didn't know any Tamil. Because we were Telugu-speaking family. So, so he taught me Tamil and I was in Anamalai. So we heard more Tamil so I could start uh, speaking Tamil. And uh, this kind of a work situation, getting up early, you know, go starting work. Mm-hmm. And then teaching in the school. Then in the evening again, there was no going back home. Yeah. Yeah. Home was just one street away. But I hardly went there. just to sleep so we used to make materials discuss read you know have conversation all that was happening and very very intense kind of a program so it was like a continuation of my training mid 70s yeah 70 73 73 okay wonderful and how long this this journey went I was there for about a year and then krishnamurti school had started so they were getting impatient for me to join so and they didn't have uh, one a friend of mine who did the course with me asha she joined the school because she was in madras and uh, and but she was going to get married so then i went and joined the school at that time in 74 okay so you joined krishnamurti in 74 what happens then then vaitana used to come there also and guide me and uh, so the school also created that possibility that he could come and set up the monastery environment so in the krishnamurti center at that time we were exploring this possibility how this was the main madanapalli center no in chennai in chennai okay oh okay. madanapalli is the rishi valley school rishi that was valley already school. established and uh, in the 40s or so this was in 74 i think they just started in 73 i think and i joined them in that first year so we were exploring the possibility of uh, you know kind of connecting krishnamurti's philosophy with montessori's practices so because he spoke about how it can be but never said how because he didn't want to get into that how part of it krishnamurti he was only looking at the idea and the philosophy and the principles but how to make things work if you want children to have freedom you know how do you make it work in a school situation so for that i felt montessori had you know shown a path how to do that and how to do say excellence work excellent work 
so krishnamurti uh, focused on that jay krishnamurti the philosopher so and how to get excellence suddenly out of the blue you know from children you know if you leave it naturally they will do their best and perfectly but in a class school situation how do we make that happen so i felt monsori had answers to many of those and made that pedagogy itself you know connected to the philosophy so we explored that possibility and uh, i think it worked well for those two years for that, two years for two years that i was there and they continued for a little longer but afterwards when others came they felt montessori was not the right kind of pedagogy okay okay so then after after krishnamurti what happened what was your journey like when i was in the kfi school itself uh, we used to have like summer programs for all the kfi teachers so one summer i had gone to rishi valley and i had heard about david hosbro at that time and i was also questioning montessori at that time i was thinking is it meant only for children who are very good children you know they follow the rules then it's only for them it's not for people children who are themselves you know active and this and that so is it the only way to do things for children so i was questioning also montessori so when i heard about david i took with the the she was the head of the school kind of she was in the trust so she and i mrs santanam and i went to see david school nilbag so there when i went and i was so charmed by the whole place it was like a village setup and uh, wonderful cottages made of mud and brick no electricity environmentally friendly you know all that we are talking about now of about sustainable development he did that in 72 73 i think i went in 74 summer and so then he told me that he's going to start a training program so i said then why don't you join why don't i join he said no there are already six people there so i don't think you can join now you join next year i'll continue these courses so join next year so i went back to school and i was teaching there and um, that became 75 75 emergency was declared and um, our family was uh, you know socialist family and uh, influenced by low here my father was and uh, though we were a zamindari kind of a family my father kind of was not interested in that kind of a thing so being a socialist and that uh, when the emergency was declared i don't know how many young people know how it was at that time overnight hundreds of people were arrested right across india reason just because they believe in some other philosophy yeah ideas because politically yeah, because at that time the congress party indira gandhi was in power and she was afraid of losing her her uh, prime ministership so she declared emergency 
and then arrested all the opposition party people leaders so only george fernandez had escaped from that net because he was somewhere else he was in gopalpur at sea in orissa actually so he was in a, on a holiday and that saved him for that night so somehow i became active through my father and also through more than my father uh, we had they had friends my parents had friends of uh, snehalata aunty snehalata reddy and patabi reddy so sneha aunty brought george fernandez home and he said do you know who he is i said no i don't know <laughs> <laughs> in front of him hmm. so um, then she explained about emergency and all that and so then i just to help her i used to you know and play along we got involved in initially after that it became little more serious so he used to come quite often tamil nadu was a safe place because dmk was in power at that time and uh, and people from all over if they wanted meetings to have meetings used to come to tamil nadu chennai, chennai. tamil nadu so our house became a hub for all that so it was very like halla gulla all the time people coming in and out and mostly political people so george was uh, hiding he was underground and we were helping him he would write letters to different people and inspiring them encouraging them to do things and continue protesting and we used to distribute those letters we used to cyclostyle oh. there was something called cyclostyling machine so we used to cyclostyle those letters and uh, and distribute them hmm. so we had a group of friends the activists who were active at that time and uh, so i felt that uh, i can't do this political work and be in school it's not fair to the school and uh, i told them i better if i resign i didn't tell this reason but i said that i'd like to resign so i resigned after about 2 years and became active in politically Politics. yeah and uh, in uh, end of april i think that year 76 my father and i were arrested and here we were 10 days in the police station in bangalore and the police station still looks the same i want to take a photo of it mm-hmm. and uh, luckily for us the acp in charge was very kind and he took care of us otherwise we were hearing stories of how people were being tortured etc that was george's brother lawrence fernandez and others and many others and um, mainly because they wanted to find george because till then they hadn't found him so after 10 days in police station they released me my father was in jail in bangalore jail for about 9 months so along with in bangalore jail uh, there was i think dandavate vajpai michael fernandez many were staying there advani lot of rss people sindhya all of them were there hmm. so i feel janata party actually was formed there formed there yeah yeah <laughs> with discussions and all the political people 
you know stationed in one jail yeah so then i was released so we had to then david at that time i had to join david's school i mean the training center and uh, he got afraid okay he said how can i take you you know there'll be trouble for me so then uh, a friend of mine nandana reddy snehanti's daughter she took david and me to the core of detectives who was actually questioning us and all that and then uh, he explained that there was nothing against me all right so then then david took me on he was quite hesitant but i said i'm not going to do any politics from now on and uh, elections were declared and you know janta party came to power and all that at that okay so then the new chapter started in your life that is david and nilwab okay so very briefly can you say talk about the experience at nilbag what was the core learning there i think there see montessori was in a way like deep diving into montessori here there was an expansion you know of all the kind of uh, things we were exposed to both theory and practice you know so practice meant learning crafts pottery carving woodwork and teaching actually all kinds of children my course the montessori course that i did was only for two and a half to six year olds so here we taught right up to adults you know and we looked at that we looked also at theory and had seminars discussions and talking in a small group you know intensely so that expanded my whole vision of education also but i felt that specificity also of montessori helped me so when i saw there when i was questioning earlier i was questioning montessori but when i saw here the whole practice montessori again like fell into place you know though i was well learning about so many other things how montessori understood the child became very clear to me like simple things like buying a pair of scissors for a 4 year old the people in uh, who were doing the course in nilbag with me they bought such a big scissors you know like 10 cm for a 4 year old so i said i mean you, you don't know the size of a child's fingers like you know whereas i think montessori taught me to be conscious of a child and not go from theory to child but from child to theory yeah yeah hmm. was there any discussion between you and david on montessori's pedagogy see he was a little bit he read only a bit of it he didn't know too much of montessori so he reacted quite strongly because in some of her books and writings she used to talk of religion christianity and how jesus was uh, you know as a young baby he was the savior and so how children can be the saviors of the world so a lot of because she was a catholic there were a lot of interconnections to religion and david doesn't yeah. like that he was a rationalist and uh, you know he was being pragmatic and didn't feel that though he was a follower of jay krishnamurti you know he was into spiritualism i mean spirit spirituality 
I think, and philosophy, but uh, not into religion. But there was more to Montessori, in a sense, no? This was a tiny aspect of her, of her um, thinking. So we did have, and he would say, it's all rubbish. I said, no, there is something to it, and uh, we have to look at other things. So he came from that, you know, that uh, Western rational thinking. Whereas uh, Montessori was, and lived in India, so she, I don't know whether it was, India also influenced her quite a bit. So she was also spiritual and religious in a different way. Okay. So, so after you, after you came back from Neelbach, say for example, uh, how was the how was the balance in you between something new at Neilbag? As you said, it was much wider, right? Uh, and on the other hand, you you were uh, you were seeing things or understanding things. That yeah, Montessori is the way to go forward. So how things were balancing out after Neilbag? Was there a time when you were really confused whether I should go? for Montessori or try something new? I didn't see any contradictory in that, you know. There was no contradiction as such. I felt just some practices where there, see, David also focused a lot on material development. Montessori had material. David had mixed-age groups. Montessori was mixed-age groups. You know, so many kind of individualized kind of learning. So that was both there. So I didn't see contradiction as such. I felt they, they need to complement each other. You know, that wideness of what I got from Neil Bhag, the specific city here, both need, need to go together. Yeah, yeah. I think that's because uh, uh, the things that both Montessori and David was doing was coming very naturally. Because, Hannah? Mm. Very true. Okay, so... What happened after Neelbag? After Neelbag, I wanted to start a school. And school for urban poor. That was my idea. I'd and that was also the idea of David that after the teacher's training, you have to go to your own place, start a new yes. school. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I didn't think a rural area was my cup of tea. I felt I, I lived in Chennai and uh, I needed to be there. And that was my natural environment. So I went to Chennai and I was looking for places to start a school. So ups and downs a little bit. And then uh, started uh, for fishermen's children of uh, fisher folk on the coast of um, Chennai. So there... Uh, I was not, I hadn't worked with the urban poor. So I did take some help from others. And, uh, you know, working with the community, children were fine, but working with the community is a must, you know, when you're working in that kind of a situation. Hmm. And the fishermen were very volatile. And any small thing, they'd get into a fight, you know, <laughs> with each other. Yeah. And uh, discuss, and then they'll have a drink and forget about it. So, in that, I had to, you know, discuss with them. I had help from another person who was running an NGO, and uh, he used to come and 
talked and my tamil also was uh, pretty hopeless <laughs> so <laughs> i needed that and so then they they wanted a school too for their children there were many government schools around there was a school run by a trust by the sophical society just around the corner but the children uh, didn't feel welcome there because they were in their clothes were not so great you know they felt if they go there they have to wear proper clothes and they had to take something with them government school also were free yeah. but then they had to buy a bag everything was costly you know so they could not go there so we discussed with them and uh, even with the children and we said afternoon school was convenient so that was a time little free for them so we had afternoon school in one of the uh spaces that uh, some friends had given and we ran the school for fisher folk there for about a year or so and we also uh, uh, simultaneously or just after started a school in saidapet for working children and some of where most of them were working children and there too we had to work with the community yeah that was one of the biggest slums in chennai and um there the youth were very active so the youth used to decide who's going where and all that so when we went and asked them about shall we start a school here for children for dropouts for working children they said there are no dropouts here there are no working children <laughs> no. Mm. so then uh, we accepted that because first day we don't know them so slowly we started just spending little more time there by then there was one more person a teacher who said that he wants to be a teacher so both of us used to go to the the slum and uh, then we pointed out somebody you know saying this boy is there that girl is there but they had given up on those children it's not that they were bluffing or anything they didn't feel they were capable of learning or needed to go to school or anything mm. like that so like that we identified many children in that slum so we said let's start but the the youth said why do you want to waste your time on these kids like you know start for children who are doing exams so then we set up a tuition center because i felt that we felt that that was the need of the community and we should listen to them so we set up a center for children doing the 10th so that worked well over the summer and they did well and we did that for some time and then slowly when that was successful we said why don't we start for these children so then we started a school and that was what we call mandara actually mandara and you were following the montessori there montessori nilbag everything all mixed up. yeah oh, okay okay we had montessori okay. materials made of uh, we couldn't afford expensive materials so with bamboo we made number rods with cloth we made many materials and a friend of mine had uh, stopped her school so i bought one set f- with from her at a you know at a discount so with the chaukis or the italic writing all that was from nilbag you know and having older children also so how amazing was like creating all study materials for the children i mean right now it's all ready made you can get it from anywhere 
but in those days everything has to be created with uh, someone has to create it so was it challenging was it fun how was it no it was a wonderful experience to do that because uh, in mandara when we set it up action aid was funding it so we could afford some staff and all that so we had a carpenter an artist you know and two teachers for the school plus myself so we had these working children coming in about 25 30 again in the afternoon you know so interacting with them seeing their needs we could develop our own jigsaws and all that which were contextually relevant also so we made with wood paper cloth using any material bamboo and uh, many of the montessori materials we did did it and this became uh, mandara learning center and slowly we started the mandara resource center because there was a need again that uh, you know teachers wanted at that time non formal education was uh, you know it's in its heyday people wanted to do uh, non formal education in villages rural areas or urban so then we field activists and all that used to come to us to see how the school was functioning so we used to then informally train so then we got into formally training people we had a one month training program which we developed and we had some academic person also and a person to document so we did a study on working children and uh, both in term and chennai urban area and in the rural place so because we were also supporting through our organization we were supporting some rural schools also so we discovered that you know working chennai felt children working was not a bad thing children had that energy in fact going to school was worse if you saw the eyes of children going to school or the eyes of children working you'll know immediately who was happier you know that working children had an energy and a spirit and they felt were confident whereas in school they used to be dumb and dull and listless because they were acted upon all the time whereas here they were lively you know they were contributing to their family they felt they were members of a society so i didn't think it was a bad thing to work but we wanted to see their conditions and if they were being exploited or whatever to become you know to uh, remove those and to help them overcome those okay then for how long the mandara project went on for i was there directly for about 4 years 80 to 84 and um, then i joined action aid asked me to join them to help them in their education now uh, section so then the teacher who was there thomas he and another person bala they took over thomas ran the school along with the another teacher and bala ran the resource center the training changed it became more development organization the resource center rather than teacher oriented but it was went on for another 3 4 years okay and what's the next chapter after mandara the next was action aid um my first job as such in action aid was uh, to evaluate a huge program 
I was working with 30 children or so here in Mandara. And then they said, please evaluate a program with uh, 30,000 children who are the beneficiaries. <laughs> 16 were sponsored and another 16, 30 were being uh, also, uh, you know, helped and supported. So with such numbers, I didn't know how to go about it. When I started Mandara, I was about 25 or so, you know, and um, this was, I think I joined ActionAid when I was 30, officially. They were funding my project. I was to help them here and there. But officially, I started when I was about 30. So ActionAid, I got to know India. Oh, you traveled a lot. Traveled a lot. And by bus and lorry and train and <laughs> every possible <laughs> mm. vehicle. And it was a very flat organization. The director was uh, an Englishman, Chris Talks, who is a good friend still. And uh, one of my friends uh, married him at that time, around that time. And um, he, in a sense, um, did not... Uh, differentiate between we had designations etc hmm. but he was open to discussion from everywhere you know and treated people equally I think that was a, to have in an organization like that which was you know right across India working in there and being fair and e treating everybody equally from the driver to the, himself as a director hmm. So he was not pompous or this or that, you know. He was straight and wanted to discuss. If we had a different point of view, he wanted to hear it. And his uh, interest also was education because ActionAid got sponsored uh, money from individuals in UK, France and Spain at that time. And they were kind of connected to children here. And so they sponsored children here. And so that sponsorship scheme, not scheme, that the structure as such process was long term. So education was better, you know, to give uh, education to children was a better way of handling that money. Otherwise, many other organizations didn't get into education as such, but into health, into development and all that. But uh, Chris felt that uh, getting into, uh, educating children would be the best and that would be standby for them for the future. And uh, so the focus also was on non-formal education, not mainstream. So in a way, ActionAid, I felt, brought in this wave of non-formal education also in the country. Wonderful. Okay. Then what's, what, what happened after ActionAid? For how long you worked for ActionAid? I was there for about three years, I think. And uh, Chris uh, wanted to go back to UK. He had left. He had left. And then there was a new director. And then the new director, the focus was not education. And I felt then that I was not, no, not a, I was not fitting in there with just general kind of development. And... Uh, Wherever I work, I feel I have to, you know, be work for children or, you know, do something like that to contribute to that. And also do some intense work, you know, not just 
waste my time. I mean, I could have continued there and done, yeah. But I felt that was not my idea. So I was toying with the idea of leaving. And then uh, a friend of mine from childhood, in a sense, uh, wanted to start a school. So she wanted me to help. So I went there just to help her to find a teacher or this or that, you know. I was in Chennai. Last one year of uh, mm. my work in ActionAid, I was based in Chennai. And we were developing something called a core curriculum. And also I was in charge of Andhra. So I was traveling to Andhra, though I was based in Chennai, and working on this core curriculum project. So then when she asked me to help with the school, so I thought, okay, just I'll be doing something else, but I'll help her along. Then uh, one day they said uh, she and uh, there's a trustee there, or their father's friend. He said, uh, "You have to. Why don't you be the principal, head the school, and start the school?" I said, "I don't know if I can do that, you know, and uh, you know I can't commit to that much time." And uh, by then I was, of course, married, and. Uh, and I felt I had to, he was from Orissa, and we wanted to go back to Orissa at that time, sometime or the other. So I said, I have to go back to Orissa sometime, so I don't know how much time I can. And this school was in there which was place? There no school as such. And it was an idea in Chennai. In Chennai, yeah. yeah, yeah. She okay. wanted to start it for her own son. Okay. And... Uh, and when she asked, then they asked me to be the principal. I said, "Let me think about it." And because I was thinking of leaving ActionAid, so I said, "Okay, let's see for a year." And uh, they had a vision of not only for their own children, but it was a wider thing to start a good school and all that. And they were also interested in Montessori. Oh. And she came through it from some other direction, but she was keen on starting a Montessori school. So then when I said, okay, then we had a lot of discussions and about the vision of the school. So whether it was going to be just primary or, you know, whatever. She was keen to make it a full-time school with a, till a full-fledged school up to high school hmm. and follow Montessori as much as possible right through. So all that was there in place. So I said, okay, let me, we'll start and see where it goes. We'll, I'll do for a year, and if I have to go to Orissa, I'll do, go there. But that one year became another one year and three years, and I was there for about eight, nine years. <laughs> and set up Abacus as a, I was a first principal. But it was uh, Kamini Sundram, who was a director, and her father's company who financed it. So this was the story of Abacus. Abacus, yes. In Chennai. Chennai. Okay. So we were looking at names also, you know, how to, what what should we name, name the, school. the school? So we sat with the dictionary <laughs> 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 in my room and we were saying, and one of the first words I saw was Abacus. You know, I said, why not Abacus? And she also loved it. So that's how we started Abacus. Okay, so that was your first school as a principal and also a place where you can really practice Montessori pedagogy. Wonderful. For 
eight long years you you were as a principal working yes. there for eight long years yeah. wonderful okay so we were wondering whether to call it montessori or not we had this discussion and uh, people around us and around me also friends uh, colleagues they said why should you call it a montessori there was no montessori school in madras at that time i think the last school was closed in 68 or 69 you know though montessori lived there so then uh, they said you've not done other things you've been to david's you worked with other kinds of schools why do you need to call it montessori but both kamni and i felt that uh, you know it should uh, we should give credit to montessori and we also have to make it contemporary somehow at that time uh, montessori was kind of old fashioned and they were doing it in some not so nice way so then we said let's call it abacus montessori school okay 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 then what was the next chapter after abacus even in abacus i felt what was the adventure there was that uh, till now we only were at the beginning stages you know of setting up things and then you know it would uh, we have to do regular work or you know that kind of thing more administrative stuff then yeah. the hardcore yeah even academics was only for class 1 2 3 you know not higher you know only for a few years then something would change so i think here we got time and to do on a long term basis up to high school like what happened after that because i had to go back to orissa i mean i i mean because i had to go back i had to leave abacus my in-laws were not well and so we said we have to shift sometime so might as well shift now and take care of them so we shifted to bhubneshwar in now uh, 95 so in 95 i went to bhubneshwar meanwhile i had just started while i was in abacus uh, a friend of mine nandana or uh, she had a project in uh, udupi district so in 95 we started a project there of working with the local panchayat schools and uh, and the field activists in uh, about 60 government schools so we were trying to apply the montessori approach there so we trained the government teachers the field activists in montessori methods there you know in udupi district so i used to go there for about 5 days 10 days at a time train teachers and then then they would practice and again i'd go back train teachers so we we did that uh, for over 2 3 years and so when i went back to orissa i continued that coming back to karnataka and uh, training teachers here and that was quite a i had just told her you know let's work with government schools you know that's a uh, time that we did something there and she had a panchayat program so that became possible with the panchayat schools okay so was there any idea in your mind ki you know uh, you have to take montessori to the public schools 
was that the idea i mean i felt see the not it had to go to the poor i mean that was the starting point and so where are the poor children they are in the government schools the majority and the poorest of the poor go to urban municipal schools so i felt that is where montessori needs to go and that is where in a way montessori also started her work in you know in the slums of uh, rome so i felt why should it become just a you know uh, only for the well to do because the material is expensive you know all that so we should try to make material cheaper and take it to the state schools all right so now if we come to montessori we have already talked about 57 minutes have you imagined 50 so almost 1 hour <laughs> so if you now switch to montessori now after that what Can happened i say one thing about yeah. you in bhubneshwar when i went there uh, unicef had just started a quality education program uh, for government schools so at that time that was also a miracle how i got into unicef because i was gone i had gone to rajasthan for some evaluation and then somebody told me that you know unicef was looking for people uh, to work on quality education so and bhubneshwar also had gone to unicef i was in discussion with them and then they said come and join us for this program so that was also an opportunity to take the montessori or new quality kind of program to the government schools and to the poor so we set up we i was on a task force there and we developed a program of a quality continuum like a learning ladder for uh, government schools which was taken to like 1000 schools in every state oh it was a big project then yeah